The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com. Hi, I'm Trevor Reese. And I'm Chris Vimbrez. And we host the podcast of Two Worlds All About the Flash. You want TV Flash? Got, Got it. it. Comic Book Flash? Got, Got it. it. Fanerotica Flash? Got it under my mattress. I got it under my mattress, too. We got everything you need for the speedster of Central City, The Flash. And we got new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and any other place you can find podcasts. We are proudly a part of the Nerdist School Network. Speedweed. The Navis and Frank present a comic book podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in uh, to the Novice and Frank comic book podcast. Hi, I'm the Novice. I'm Amanda. Hi, I'm Frank. I'm the Frank. Yeah, and we're so glad that you're here. Uh, We're going to get started as custom with our uh, completely 100% brand new improvised theme song. You ready? I am so ready. All right, let's do it. The sirens are going off and you stolen my heart. I snuck in through the window while you were sleeping and opened up your chest cavity. Meow. Meow. I saw the cat. He startled me. So I tripped as I fell out your window. <laughs> I'm not Selena Kyle, I'm somebody else. I'm the narrator of this song, but we're not talking about me today on The Novice. <laughs> and, and Frank, Frank. Oh, another masterpiece. This is a truly bad poor narrator. Truly great. I know. Someday. Someday I know. we'll talk about that narrator. We'll, we'll follow his story one day, <laughs> and it'll be amazing. Uh, so yeah, so we, there's a kind of a little teaser for what we're talking about today. Yes. Uh, we are discussing, we got a recommendation. We did. From a listener, uh, Bernie Gonzalez at 12 AM mystery said, uh, after our, uh, podcast with our friend, Chris Lord. The one, the only, not to be duplicated, never replicated. Chris Lord. That's right. After our podcast with the one and only not to be duplicated Chris Lord, uh, uh, Bernie said, great episode. My vote is Selena's big score up next. So that's what we did this time. That's right. Um, which is pretty exciting. So thank you so much, Bernie, for that suggestion. That is uh, what we're discussing today. So Frank, you had read this before. I have. Uh, I feel like before we jump into this, uh oh, uh, we do have, uh, real quick, we have to go through one of the hottest segments in podcasting. Oh, are you talking about the mystery bag? I'm talking about the mystery bag. Oh my gosh. All right. I didn't know we were going to jump right in. Let's yeah, do it. Let's, let's jump it. in the mystery bag. So, because I know everybody has been listening, but what <laughs> about the mystery bag? They're clamoring for it. Uh, I don't blame them. So, basically, uh, my, uh, my fiance, Mike, has a huge bag of comics that he brought home. I have not gone through these comics. All I've seen are the ones that Frank and I pulled out last week. I love so, it. it is indeed a mystery bag. Most of them, I believe, are signed. So let's do what's in the bag. Woo. All right, I'm gonna pull one out here. Ooh, this one's got like a holographic thing going on. It's called wow. It's Robin to the Joker's Wild. It says four issue miniseries. This is number one, part one of four. This is Chuck Dixon, Tom Lyle, and Bob Smith. And it's got a really I would have been really into this as a kid. It's got a cool like holographic little 
Batman card on it. What do you know about this, Frank? Man, back in the 90s, they, uh, certainly the speculation boom really hit the comics. So in terms of just people were buying up stuff like crazy. And uh, the companies, like especially Marvel and DC, especially I think even Marvel, really embraced like things you could do on the covers, whether it be like uh, like holographic covers or special uh, die cut covers as well. So this is from that time where pretty much every if they could put a hologram on that cover in some way, shape, or form, they were gonna make it happen. It looks so, cool. So for that we've got like, you know, Joker's Wild, you're thinking about playing cards. Well hey, why don't we just have a holographic playing card of Robin? Oh, is that what that is? Uh, yeah it is. But you can't pull it off, can you? Uh I don't no, I don't think those get. I think I don't know. They it's stayed like stuck on. on there. Yeah. How come? So Batman looks like a hunchback in this. Why? Well, why is that? Is Kelly Jones? Okay. He, he a very stylized artist, so uh, he just kind of just embraces like the kind of gargoyle esque nature of Batman. Okay. Kind of prowling around. So uh, I mean, I, at least for this drawing, you feel like he's just kind of like hunching over. But yeah, it still and looks like, like like an anger and rage. Yeah, but it still does look like he's just got a hunchback. And you're like, oh, well, bats. and his his arms are so long just anatomically it's kind of strange looking so yeah kelly jones was known for just kind of uh making everything kind of really elongated uh yeah typical by bi- human biology need not apply to a kelly okay. jones drawing. he was he was the picasso yes of of comic book illustrations uh, in fact when we were over at meltdown comics uh-huh. uh, where the nerdist school network is and occasionally mm-hmm. we record shows there we do other times we're out in the world just recording that's shows. what we're doing now we're kind of out in the world we're still that's working right. on our setup you guys so there you go. if you have any tips or tricks on uh, on podcasting on location please feel free to let me know i need all the help i can get well guys amanda's amazing so just oh, like that okay okay, okay. All but right. uh, when i showed you a uh, dead man mm-hmm. where he's all skeletal yeah like, yes so that was the same artist oh Okay. Yes, so a very stylized way of depicting the the human form. I think that too. I mean, you can see. I I think a lot of times to be good like that, you have to have a really good grasp on anatomy before you can break the rules. Like mm-hmm. I never really, to be honest, I never. I got all the way through art school and was kind of like Picasso, eh. <laughs> and then I saw, I was I, at a at a museum, an art museum in Spain. I saw this early work by Picasso, and they were life drawings, and they were gorgeous they were perfect just completely impeccable and that for whatever reason since then i've been like yeah i get it because it's like he learned the rules so well that he was then able to break them and kind of mess around with them and still have it make sense true but still i've seen those early picasso drawings too and i as somebody who just loves i guess maybe because it's my love of comic books that i just love people that are able to draw the human form very well rendered and uh-huh. looking somewhat, you know, kind of realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was when he got all abstract and stuff, that's great for the the muse that he was following. Right. But I enjoyed all those works a lot less. Yeah. They yeah. just weren't my cup of tea. So do you like this? Do you like this hunched over Batman? No. Because he's not my favorite. No. Kelly Jones, he, he's okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Kelly Jones is one of those car- creators that I recognize, but yet uh, if he's like advertised as being on on a book, mm-hmm. it's not enough to suck me into. Well, like I gotta get that book, I gotta get that sweet Kelly Jones okay. art. But he's not he's not me. listed. Are these just the art? Are the writers? Those. This is a uh, Chuck Dixon's a writer. Uh, Tom Lyle was the penciler. Bob Smith 
Uh, I don't think I believe he was the colorist. He may have been the no. So that was the inker. This is taped in a plastic, like in a plastic cover. So I, I feel like I can't really take it out and look at it. But, but maybe I Kelly will Jones just did the covers. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So he's just cool. your cover artist for that. Great. So this is the uh, after uh, Dick Grayson had kind of been promoted up to Batman, and then Jason Todd took over, and then was killed by the Joker. Okay. Uh, Batman kind of went through this you know crazy phase where he's like, oh, he, he really hit rock bottom because Robin was killed. Uh, but they realized this Robin here on the cover kind of deduced Batman's secret identity. Just uh, figured it out just by you know, uh, observing clues and just photographs and uh, just kind of putting two and two together. Right. And then approached Bruce Wayne and said, you know what? I should be Robin because Robin, you need a Robin as Batman. It kind of helps temper you. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you go off the deep end. <laughs> and you get too broody and too angsty and too... And Bruce Wayne's uh, like, get the hell off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so he uh, became Robin, but he also went, had to go do through a bunch of training. So okay. they did a couple miniseries of his uh, where they kind of spun Robin off into his own book. And so this is the sequel to the first miniseries that they did. And I think they did Robin 3, too. And then they said, you know, he's just doing so well enough. And people, there's obviously a demand for this character. Mm-hmm. They rolled him off into his own series after that. Oh, that's yeah. cool. All right. But they start. I thought it was kind of interesting where they started off small and they just did it as a series of miniseries. And then as the interest was there, they kept them... We're doing more and more and more until finally they feel like, all right, we could do a full series on this guy. Cool. And it ended up going 125 issues? Maybe a little bit more. Who wrote that? Uh, started off with Chuck Dixon, for the most part. Then, uh, gosh, Bill Willingham did some uh, issues on that. Uh, Fabian Nicias, I believe, did some writing on that as well, too. Cool. So, yeah, so awesome. this is a, that's a, it would be interesting to go back. Like Tom Lyle is like an he's an artist that I just like. He screams like late eighties, early nineties to me. Oh, really? Just when I see him, I just I'm drawn back to that time. There was a time like I was kind of dug his art, and mm-hmm. then like now looking back at it, it's like uh, then I feel like that's too stiff. It's too it's not really fluid and that dynamic enough for me. Yeah, but I think if I were to go back and read it now, I think I might be, I might enjoy it. Just okay. the, you know, like the kind of like nostalgic vibe to it. Go through, give another shot. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Do you want to pull one out of the bag? Ooh, I want to go right. into the mystery bag. All right, Frank, what's in the, the bag? bag? Do, 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 do. I'm gonna, ooh, I'm gonna go. Ooh, ooh, this looks a little, go deep, go deep. Not that kind of podcast. Oh, all right. From Valiant number zero. Uh, I have to admit, uh, Ray is probably the one I one of the Valiant characters that I know the least about. Okay. I believe his deal is he's, he's from the future. Okay. The cover's cool. Yeah. It's uh, very Japanese-inspired. It is. So he's from the future of the Valiant line. Ooh, Double Dragon 3, the arcade game. <laughs> now on Game Boy. Yeah. The, the ad on the back of the comic book. Simultaneous two-player action with Game Link. Yeah! All right. Uh-huh. Uh, Billy and Jimmy went on a journey to complete their martial arts. That's what it says. That's what it sweet, says? Some sweet text-based stuff in there. That's great. <laughs> your quest for the Rosetta Stones is your most dangerous ever. I love that you're like, I don't know a lot about this comic book, so I, I'm just going to read the back cover of the <laughs> ad. <laughs> Yes, uh, back when the Rosetta Stone, that was like a hot enough, like, uh, I don't want to even say MacGuffin, but just enough, like, you know, thing that you're... It was, che- like, kind of mysterious. Yeah, that's what you're chasing around. Do you want to pick another one, since... Yeah, I guess... Uh, All right, but, pick uh, another one. They, I mean, they've been rebooting Ray and then the current Valiant line to some success, so... 
If you're out there listening and you love Ray, you know a lot about Ray, tell us about it. Do you have one that you recommend? Let us know. Oh, yeah. This one you're more excited about. What is it? Here we go. Punisher Warzone. Oh, and it's signed by somebody. That's right. It's signed by John Romita Jr., the artist did the cover. This is another example of the die cut, so you can actually just feel right there. Oh, it's yeah, just oh perfect. yeah, that's cool. So you open it up, and then you'll see the Punisher skull underneath that as oh, well. Oh, that's neat. All right, so basically, guys, with this, it has like an overlay over it. Overlay over it? That sounds weird. Mm. But yeah, it's die cut, so it's like the front kind of reveals the next page, but it's cool because if you touch it, it's bumpy. Yeah, it's yes. Like, it's like if you want to like upgrade your stinking wedding invitations... They're like, oh, do you want this engraved? It's it's that. It's mm. fancier. Somebody gives you a business card. Okay, it's like, a, this is a better one. American Psycho. On American Psycho, they can like feel the raised text. That's and right. that's how you know it's a good business card. It's like that. Cool. So, yeah. So, signed. signed uh, written by, and it's uh, number one. Yeah, written by Chuck Dixon as well, I believe, that he did that. Cool. Uh, you know, this was uh, John Romita Jr. Had, uh, I think this was after he had done... Uh, Daredevil. I think he went over to Punisher after this, and he started getting inked by Klaus Jansen for a lot of this stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know, like, and Klaus Jansen. I really love John Romita Jr. Probably my favorite run of his is Amazing Spider-Man, like two thirty to two fifty-one. I believe that he goes through. Okay. Actually, I think it's only two fifty, and then two fifty-one is reference. But two so. Uh, that's my favorite. If you told me like John Romita Jr. right there at that time, oh, so fantastic. Because uh, he, he had a couple great anchors for him that I thought just really complimented th- that look. Okay. But uh, like Klaus Jansen, very incredible artist. But he also, there's those art inkers that just are, like if they ink some other artist, you can definitely see their influence on it. Huh. Uh, so like Tom Palmer's one, Klaus Jansen is one, where they just... And I don't want to say like they are, but they just have such a, the way they... they the unique style. Yeah, they have a unique style that it ends up coming through. And sometimes it's a really cool uh, amalgamation of the art, uh, the penciler and the inker, mm-hmm. where they still have two very different styles, but they come together. So if you have, okay, so say you've got uh, a book that, a series that's doing really well mm-hmm. with one artist, and... That artist goes to do another project. Maybe they die or they they move on, and then somebody else comes in and takes over that series that's been really popular. Is the new person? Is it their expectation? Is it expected that they will match that previous art? Is it supposed to be in that style? Not now. Not so much now. Okay. Back in the early days of, uh, especially Marvel, there was like that house style. Okay. Uh, where. Uh, it was Kirby, 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 Kirby. He was mm-hmm. a big guy, right? And so even as he moved on, the idea was that people that get to follow him would kind of, at least at the beginning, kind of emulate Kirby, okay. because so that audiences were like, oh yeah, this is the thing that we're really familiar with, and we mm-hmm. kind of try to do it like that. There are instances even now today, though, where if you're getting a fill-in artist, that they you'll try to find somebody that's at least comparable uh-huh. to that style, so it does seem kind of like it fits in. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's more now that if you're so much more now where it's like getting big name artists, that's one of the great things. Like, oh my gosh, we've got John Meter Jr. doing this arc of X Men. Oh, right. wow, that's awesome. Okay. Then it's cool that when you see that, you're going to see John Romita Jr.'s version of the X Men. Okay. And it could look different from whoever the artist well, right. was. Well, right. They, that's what they're paying for, right? Yeah. It's the name and the style. Mm-hmm. I know that, like, so I used to work on a 2D show. Right, with legacy characters. So mm-hmm. characters that have been around for years 
And I know that, you know, they came up with a new style for those characters that's not the exact style that they were using in the 60s or 70s or whatever. But it's really tricky because one thing I learned is that you've got all of these storyboard artists and they're drawing the cartoon, but they have to still stay at least somewhat on model, you know, and that's a big deal. I learned like that's a big deal because um, each board artist has like their own sense of timing. And those are the things that are really fun and really unique is you're like, all right, well, this person's really great with their like comedic timing. They know how to land a joke. You know, they know how many panels Bugs needs to be still before dropping, you know, the out or whatever. But it's one of those things where it was always really hard because you'd have these really fun, great artists in, but they were so off model that, and it was almost, I feel like I don't know how how you'd give somebody that note without it being personal because like our, you know, you have a does a character designer on the show that designs new characters. It goes through all this huge approval process from the network, from the executives, from all that. And then you have people come in and they want to draw that character the way they either they did back in the 60s or more their own interpretation. And the problem with that is that when you send those things to be animated, sometimes the people animating it draw it like you did. They don't draw, you know, so you can, they, the, the cartoons come back and they've got the influence of that artist on them, but it doesn't feel uh, cohesive with the show, you know? So is that, I guess that's why I was asking is like, if it was super important to, I don't know why I just, I, no. for me, it felt relevant. I don't no, know no, no, at the time. Cause I, I, I'm always interested cause I feel like the cleanup artists is like, they get such an important job because. And it's revisionist too, in, in animation, same thing. Yeah. To take all and those different styles and kind of make it into one seamless on model yeah. for that character. Yeah. Uh, without hopefully losing the energy and dynamicism of that artist. Yeah. Even though you're kind of molding their style back into what is company approved for that a character you're interpreting yeah yeah that's hard i guess i didn't realize there were all that would make sense i didn't realize there were also revisionists in comic books um well i guess that's much revisionist i, I guess well or like clean, the, cleanup artists uh well the inker is kind of your next really like your cleanup artist okay they're kind of just taking all your pencil lines and they'll choose which ones to kind of ink and, and really blow out uh-huh. but there was a time back uh like oh, jack kirby i mean jack kirby yeah, created Fantastic Four, created a lot of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. He went over to DC after kind of falling out with Marvel. It's like, I'm done with you guys. I'm going to go take my talents to DC. Right. Started doing, uh, one of the comics he started doing was the Jimmy Olsen book. Okay. And Superman would always be kind of guest starring in there, the forever for people and stuff. But he draws Superman a lot in that book. And yet, DC editorial did not like the way that Jack Kirby drew Superman's head. <laughs> so they would have this other artist, Kurt Swan, who would come and just draw superman's head and they would paste it on top of jack kirby really yep just you know whatever jack kirby had done he would draw his own kind of version of that look more on model because kurt swan was kind of considered one of the quintessential superman artists okay his style i mean he drew it for a long stretch of time so back if you think of like people from they read comics a lot in 70s and 80s uh-huh. you're gonna if you swear jawed superman yeah if you told him like who's your superman artist they're probably gonna say kurt swan okay so yeah so they had him go in to kind of draw Superman's head and then they just paste it on top of Jack Kirby's it's so weird to me like this the what people will go through. it's like just hire I never understood that I guess first of all if you if you're hiring Jack Kirby hopefully you're like okay I know how you draw Superman and that's the Superman that I want or when you hire that person say listen here's the deal we've seen your Superman neck down beautiful love it game changer <laughs> Neck up, please make these adjustments. And then that person can decide whether or not they want to do that. But I never understand. I'm still always amazed when I see people just, like, catering. Like, whole... 
<laughs> you know, that's a second. <coughs> Pardon me, I'm very worked up about this. Well, no, because but that's a whole second artist that you have to pay to come in and just do heads. Yeah, that's so weird to me that they'd kowtow to somebody. You know, or bring him on without saying, right, we're bringing you on because we love what you do. I, I guess I, uh, it drives me crazy. I wonder if Jack Kirby just, like, wouldn't take the note and be like, nope, this is my Superman head. you got to deal with it. Or if they, I don't know. I don't know. But it's like, like, but that's like Jack Kirby. Like, right. Because <laughs> it wasn't any of the other characters. He could have any other character in that book and they wouldn't do that. It was just specific to Superman. Well, that's because he was like the, you know, like they're one of the most like iconic characters and yeah. stuff. That they just had their idea of like this is how we would look. Yeah, but he just didn't want to change it. That's what I'm saying is that he just wouldn't take a note. Well, you're Jack Kirby. You know? I know, but like if you're bringing on Jack Kirby, then yeah. don't then then look at his work and before you hire him, be like, we got some preemptive concerns about Superman. You know what yes. I mean? I guess I just don't, I don't understand. I, I feel like I see that happen a lot. Like people kind of kowtow or like really go out of their way to cater. And it's like, well, that is now on you because you shouldn't have hired this person unless you, they, they had their work out there. You know what their work looked yeah. like. Why would you hire them and be like, but change everything <laughs> unless that's part of, you know, unless that's part of it. Um, I don't know like how much of there's like a fear of, uh, uh, of, uh, like companies like, oh my gosh, this doesn't look like the Superman that everybody's kind of grown up reading. Yeah. They're not going to want to buy this book. They're having none of it. Which I'm like, come on. Uh, I mean, I have seen some of those old, like, uh, Jack Kirby does this magazine from tomorrow's comic store that's like the Kirby Collector. So it's a really like kind of oversized printed. Okay. Like almost like it's pretty much close to what the comic book artists actually draw page size, uh-huh. page width and everything. For their panels, and so they had a uh, they had some with Kirby Superman run without the the Kurt Swan heads on top of it. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's like it it looks like a Kirby Superman. Yeah, so it doesn't look like some kind of hideous monster. Yeah. That you're like, who is this it's guy like that's wearing a Superman it's costume? It's not like the toys from Toy Story. It's yeah, like, like six what? toys. What is happening? <laughs> so that is an example they would do that, uh, and even and not so much now. Mm-hmm. That was something that definitely happened a lot in the. the the 60s and 70s. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. This has been a fascinating edition of What's in the Bag? What's in the Bag? Mystery the bag. segment sweeping the nation. That's right. So anyway, yes, uh, The Punisher Warzone, well worth your time to read. Uh, yeah. I'll believe. pull it out of the plastic and gently read it. Or if you have Marvel Unlimited, it's all there Yeah, too. I want to smell it. Okay, I'll read it online. All right, uh, all right. Now, the one thing I want to say, we had a... So, we had someone... Uh, listen to our episode and comment. Do you remember when we were talking about what a flatter is? What's a flatter? Who does the flattering? Remember that? Is <laughs> an episode we recorded, um, or we talked about. Uh, it was um, McKelvey, James James McKelvey. Oh, okay. I think, maybe? For oh, it's for um, Wicked and Divine. Okay. And we got into the discussion that's like, and there was a credit on there that was like the flatter. The flatter. Oh, right. And I was like, okay. what does that do? And neither of us knew. So someone listening ventured a guess. Ah, okay. So on Instagram, so this is dead. It's dead man Fred. So dead underscore man, M-A-N-N, Fred. Uh, and he said, also, as for the flatter, I'm not too sure. But looking at the art, there's various likely digital elements there in addition to the traditional pencils, inks, and digital colors. Flattening an image in Photoshop is when you take all those art layers and combine them into one single layer, which is correct. He said... Uh, uniting all the elements into a single unit page. Um, he said, it can be a lot of editing, and I'm guessing the flatter does that. 
Hmm. Um, which is a good guess. Yeah. I think he ventured a good guess. I like that. Yeah. Man, thank um, you for your so, wisdom. Thanks, Dead Man Fred. Dead uh, now Man I'm Fred. really looking at it like we should have gone on and gotten like a solid answer or confirmation one way or the other. <laughs> but uh, but it's very nice that it's very nice that people are listening and venturing a guess. And that sounds that's that makes sense to me. That makes sense when I hear it. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening and giving us that opinion. And maybe for our next podcast, I will research what a flatter actually is. And we'll see how close he uh, we'll Dead Man Fred yeah, was. Yeah, we'll see how close he is. So close, Dead Man Fred. So close. So close. Or maybe you just nailed it. We don't know. But now... But look at how exciting it is that, that we have members of our audience that want to help educate us. It makes me happy. It's great. People are recommending things. It's, I need it's the help awesome. I can get. Really great. Please educate me. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so now we've got Selena's big score. Yes. And you had read this before. This is uh, Darwin Cook. That is correct. Who, Written and drawn by Darwin Cook. That's right. And we, what did we, we, we just did Darwin Cook a few weeks back. New Frontier. New Frontier. That's right. That's how, that's why this one took a, a little bit to get to because it was like, well, we just did Darwin Cook. That's true. But we, this the, is. The audience asked. The audience asked. We, we, no. we are no one. We are not anyone. I am, uh, I am no one. <laughs> Do you watch Game of Thrones? I do not. Oh my gosh, Frank. There's only so much time in the day. Yeah, you, you cover a lot of TV. That's true. You know, I got to so watch Designated Survivor. You know? That's right. You yeah. got to watch it. Where can they watch your Designated Survivor show, Frank? Uh, you can watch it tonight at uh, 10 o'clock Pacific time uh, uh, at AfterBuzz.tv. AfterBuzz.tv? AfterBuzz.tv. Yep. Okay. You know, this isn't airing tonight. It? It's not live. So if they're... That's true. You, so you couldn't. You've already... Go back and go to ABC.com. Watch last week's episode of Designated Survivor. You'll be thankful that you did. That's right. I hope. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I don't know, maybe. Go, uh, go taunt Frank online. Uh, Cyberbully Frank. <laughs> no, just kidding. That's me. But now we've got Selena's big score. Yes. So uh, this, written and illustrated by Darwin Cook, who handled a lot of the Yeoman's work on uh, Final Frontier. Yes. Or New, me, New Frontier. I keep wanting to call it Star Trek V, Final Frontier. <laughs> How dare you? How dare I? There's you're getting no your, Cybok in your, there. Your, nerd, your nerdities mixed up. <laughs> what is God? Need a starship. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Classic. Thank you. Is so here all uh, night. Uh, Jim Ballant for the longest time did a Catwoman series, mm-hmm. and she was kind of like in that. Uh, she was in a purple kind of cat esque costume. Yes, kind of very cheesecakey. Okay. So when all of a sudden done, you weren't a fan. Uh, no, no, oh no, no. But if you like your your women with big boobs that like were immovable, just a rock hard masses on on a woman's chest. Who doesn't? We Jim live in Ballant. L.A. Everybody's about that. Jim Ballant was your artist. Okay. But then, of course, they rested the the, uh, the series, and then Ed Brubaker was going to bring it back with Darwin Cook. Uh, he's going to bring back the regular Car- Catwoman series. But Darwin Cook came with the idea of, like, why don't I do a story that takes place between the end of the Jim Ballant run and how she got to where she is at the beginning of the new Catwoman series that Ed's writing. Oh, okay. So it came up with Selena's Big Store. And they, DC gave him the okay. They liked the idea. They said, you know, you can write it, draw it, do whatever you need to. So that's what he did. That's cool. And yeah. it's short. It I kept is. thinking, I got to the end of it and was like, I kept, like, I read it digitally. So I kept flipping my finger. I kept, like, swiping, thinking that more would, no. No. Nope. It was done. And I was like, oh, sweet. all right. So this, so that explains it. Because it, it leads it. And I actually got back on Comixology and I was like, wait a minute, you said this was a whole thing. And it, it is. But it leads into that Brubaker series. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and so, yeah, so this, uh, it first came out in hardcover. Okay. Uh, I remember buying it in the hardcover. 
Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a very thin, quick story where she gets involved with Slam, uh, Sam, uh, Slam Bradley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of Slam Bradley. And then you also get the like kind of like the proto version of Slam as well, too. The, the, our gentleman with the, the white hair. Oh, um, oh gosh, what's his name? He's dashing. Who is Sam? I didn't know. I've never heard of Sam Bradley before. Uh, Slam, uh, he is a private. Uh, he's one of like back in the 50s yeah I mean kind of like you know they do science fiction they would do superheroes but they also do like you know mystery and stuff so they had a couple kind of detective type characters okay uh, so Slam Bradley was one mm-hmm. uh, Ray Raymond who I kind of look back and double check like to decide how it was finally figured out here in DC Universe because at one point Firestorm his dad was Ray Raymond okay so the idea was like that used to be his dad who's kind of like you would do investigative kind of news and stories for television shows or networks and so that was him uh, almost kind of being like uh, I don't want to say not just like a cold check or something mm-hmm. like that where he tried to go and kind of like debunk things or stuff like that but right. he had his own little show that he'd kind of go and try to find the real answer to why things were happening and mm-hmm. stuff so yeah there was that kind of era where there was like you know like being a detective that was kind of a cool deal so it's like you know, sure, we've got Batman and Flash, Green Lantern, but what if we just have a guy with his, like, you know, trench coat and he's just, like, getting involved in these hard-broiled slices, the stuff that we maybe not be able to do with our own regular cast of characters? Uh-huh. Can't have Batman, like, betting lots of ladies and, like, sitting next to him and <laughs> stuff. Even though, I mean, it's, like... Like, do you think, like, Batman as a character is a womanizer? Or do you think he's just... Uh, there's only, like, maybe, like, one or two women that really have his heart. I mean, I think that I like the idea more of Batman being... I mean, here's the deal. I loved Keaton Batman. Okay. I loved the I loved Keaton Batman, meaning, like, he can't really be bothered. And in that respect, like, he tries, but he's odd. Do you know what I mean? He's kind of off, but he's not, like, debonair. Whereas, like, the Christian Bale Batman is, like, suave. And that's part of his cover. You know what I mean? As Batman. He's, like, very yeah. suave. Like, you know, millionaire absconds with with ballet, with opera. You know? And so, I know that's... These are the films and not the comic books. But that's wh- where I'm a little better versed. Yeah. But I kind of think of... I like the approach to, uh, to Batman that he's kind of just, like, a nerdy... Uh, kind of just like a nerdy guy who is he's like a nerdy millionaire so like women want to date him but not but but that he's i don't think of him as being like a crazy womanizer i could see that also like i could see it working for the character i think that it works for like christian bale's take you know but i think he's like for me i'm like he's so busy and so dark and brooding like (laughs) where would he have time to even date that would have to he would have to make time for it strictly as part of his cover you know so I guess just like one night stands maybe, but I can't see him. I can't see him even being bothered. <laughs> yeah, it's tough because like very rarely do you see like Bruce Wayne be like in his Bruce Wayne persona, uh, interacting with the general public, right? And hook up with the lady. Yeah, he'll do a lot of heavy flirting, but then he always, I always feel like the bat signal comes up. Yeah, like Commissioner Gordon is just like watching him. He's like, all right, nope, not yet, guys. Hold on, hold, on. almost there, almost there. I hit it, hit it, hit it. He's like, damn it, Commissioner, <laughs> you're such a. <laughs> he's like, that's you're... right. He's like such a cock block, <laughs> you know. Commissioner Gordon's such a cock block. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Like I want because I feel like Batman. The, I think the one. I guess like Batman and uh, Catwoman. 
mm-hmm. have probably much like the most sexually kind of explosive relationship. Yeah, and I think it works. Do you think it works or not so much? I mean, I guess she brings out a lighter side of him. And yeah. She, you know, he's trying to save her and protect her. I mean, given... Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess... I'm trying to think, is it 50-50? Or is one kind of edge out over the other? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm about that. Because I guess I don't even know... T- I don't even know too much, like, the... This sounds really stupid to say, but I don't know too much about, like, the Batman-Catwoman story. Meaning, like, when they got involved, what their actual relationship is, you know? Because I know she's she's a thief. At the end of the day, she's a thief. You know? And what I like in this is that she's a damn good thief. And I like that they emphasize that. You yes. know? And these, like, cool things where she, like, flips upside down and she's hanging in that pipe. Mm-hmm. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. And things like that. The art the art is, is really cool. But I... uh. There's only one mention in... Well, no. There's there's very few mentions to Batman, I feel like, in this book. Which I like. It's about her. No, no. But, I mean, you want to just have the taste that, oh my gosh, he's, right. he lives in this world. Uh-huh. And things could come, cr- could, could, could come crashing down if you ever got involved in what we're doing. Right. But uh, otherwise, I like, hey, let's just... I mean, because realistically, Batman, as awesome as he is, mm. and it's, he's like a self-made man. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. You kind of hone yourself to the peak physical perfection of the human form. Right. Both mentally and physically. So even with that, you can't be like every, everywhere. You can't know everything that's going on. Right. So, he's not omniscient. Yeah. So I do like this where it happens in the world, but Batman is just kind of off on a tangent. Yeah. And that's when you can bring in, if you wanted to. They don't in this story. But, you know, you've got Nightwing. You've got Batgirl. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Cassandra Cain. Yeah. You know, you've got many other supporting characters that could come in and, and help if need be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we, I mean, we know we like Darwin Cook's art, so it's like, but I don't, I still want to talk about it oh, because yeah. I think that it's so, it's, I, I love it. I think it's really great. He does a lot. In this, uh, the silhouette work is super cool. And I love that he kind of takes these, each scene has like its own palette that mm-hmm. he pulls from. So you go from these very warm environments and, then these very very cool ones and then you've got like this like a you know now yeah they're in vegas it's cool it's like you can tell almost like in chapters it's like this chapter is kind of thematically this color you know it's just mm-hmm. it's not all the same throughout but i feel like it 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 doesn't feel manic to me it feels like it's just it's kind of coming to life and you can flip through and you know immediately where they are you know that they're in vegas there you know even if you took out this panel here that said vegas you'd know immediately yeah. where they are no very um, true you know that you flip through the beginning close to the beginning it's like you know that they're in they're clearly in um miami mm-hmm. <laughs> you know there's someplace in florida just on the beach and just everything so there's beautiful little detail shots there and what i like about that is like uh like alan moore and dave gibbons is this letter watchman where they do like a strict nine panel grid so mm-hmm. it was very much three boxes three boxes three boxes mm-hmm. Very rigid and throughout the whole series, very okay. rigidly in that format. The, I mean, this right here is like three, six, nine, ten. Yeah, he's got twelve here as well. But it, it kind of varies from page to page in terms of how much he's, uh, how many panels are breaking it all down into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like he breaks these down into a lot, but it doesn't seem crowded. It doesn't make it hard to follow at all. It's, it's not enjoyable. hard to follow. It was a little bit hard to for me. The text was a little hard to read. Just too text. small. A little bit, but I didn't mind it because I think that it didn't feel too busy for me. It was just the the combination of the small font and the um and the kind of uh, handwritten style. 
You know. Uh, so if you uh, go to yourself like, hey, you know, I'm gonna read this tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would uh, for you would you blow it up like this as you're reading it? No, I don't. I don't do so. Anybody listening can't see what Frank is doing. He's basically he's got a, the digital comic and he's you can do like a one panel view basically. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I feel like I'm flipping through constantly. Yes, I don't like that. I'll usually I'll usually do a page at a time. I was reading this at work on my lunch break, so I had. I've got a, a work. I've got like a giant monitor, mm-hmm. so that was pretty nice because I was like, "Oh, I can do a two-panel view and still see," and they're still bigger than like actual comic book pages. That's cool, you know. But I did like a slight zoom, so I usually do like half the page and then like pull and do half the page and then go over and do like that. Okay. At least on this one because it was a little hard to read. Yeah, because I but, feel like um, oh, the kind of view, I cannot get into that. I can't like, do that. That's so annoying. But it does make me go. I want to. I want to make that. I want to hang that. Piece. I want to hang that. Like all of these panels <laughs> that I want, especially in here, like the ones of, uh, like the first Vegas one. Like this one you used to go on, right? Yeah, email address. Forget it. See you in Vegas. <laughs> like when you go to the next, and it's just a big panel. It's just a panel of Vegas. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I would blow that up, Oof. and put it. Like it looks like a beautiful giant piece of pop art. Like I would take. All three of those and put make a triptych on my wall and these huge... Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be cool. It, it looks great. And nobody would even necessarily know it was from a comic book. It looks like just a beautiful piece of artwork. But I also feel like it's a beautiful piece of artwork, but man, it's just like Darwin Cook is just so good. Mm-hmm. Well, and it feels like even this layout here. So it, to me, it makes so much sense that... Because his background was animation, right? Yep. I feel like you can see it. I feel like you can see like this shot, there's a character rolling the dice. And the point of view is cool. You got this, it's just four panels down the page, long, you know, landscape panels. Mm -hmm. And it starts with the dice blocking his face and they get closer and closer to what I think of the camera, but it's your, the viewer's point of view. And then finally revealing his face and his, you know, and his dialogue, but it's so cinematic. Like everything, it's you have these cool. I'm just gonna start flipping through here. It's you've you got these, this, these dice are going in slow motion. You uh-huh. just know it, like uh huh. You're just seeing but that and they're spinning. You know exactly what's happening, and then you got you know on the next, you know on the next page pages, you've got these cool, like person says something, cut to the other person's reaction. You know, and you've got like an establishing shot and these really great big like landscapes. Everything's so nicely framed. You know, within the picture, you know, I just, I, I think that it's such a, he's got such a beautiful approach and it makes things, his work to me feels more three-dimensional, I feel like, than some artists oh, that I see. Interesting. I think that he's got such a, which is interesting because there's not really a lot of, um, there's not really like variances in the shadow. Mm-hmm. The shadow's black. Right. You know, there's not like... A bunch of cross hatching or these things that kind of usually help add depth. I just think kind of the way that the way that everything is drawn feels like it pops off the page a little more because you're getting these cool different perspectives. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it's he. Man, he's just he's so good, and he just tells some. I mean, his expressions are fantastic. It just he tells the story so well. I mean, this is when you just seen like somebody. I guess. I guess something like a new frontier probably more probably, yeah because it's a little score store i'd like this too as well but i think like just because it has so many other characters that i enjoy mm-hmm. new frontier is always probably going to be a softer place in my heart just because uh-huh. of the, the how, how wide and crazy it gets mm-hmm. but like this i mean you, the storytelling is just so good uh-huh oh it's just i feel like it was moments like this that kind of showed him like you know i've got something to say as an artist 
I should be doing more of my own material. So mm-hmm. I feel like him doing New Frontier, mm-hmm. him doing the Parker novels, really, too, where it's just he was adapta- uh, adapting an, a writer that he loves so much. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that really gave him a chance to kind of just set his own kind of pace. I mean, he had, you know, uh, gosh, it's 70, 80 pages or so, or even, even close to 100 to really break down those stories. Yeah. They're really good. It's beautiful. Well, I know you've got to got to head out to a to your next gig. You're very into Oh, good. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm so big, a big designated survivor after you're show, guys. Kind of a big deal, but I know um, this is a nice short episode for us. But that's okay because our last one was very long, and when by the time yes. this posts, you guys will that'll be our um, our big crossover episode for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, that one will be posting probably right before this one. Um, so please take a listen. Um, in short, in summary, I loved I loved Selena's big score. Did you, I? I know you read oh, I, it again. Are you still a fan? I am it holds still, up. I am a gosh. I'm a huge fan. Like this, this took like a character that I, there were a few issues like in uh, uh, like Mike Barr did with uh, Catwoman that mm-hmm. kind of like were at, at that point that like, Catwoman had been kind of like almost kind of like Batman's like. I don't want to say a partner, but like they had like a really, really strong relationship. Mm-hmm. And then Joker kidnaps her and brainwashes her and kind of like makes her like a, just a bad guy again. Huh. Uh, and that those were kind of fun stories. But then Jim Ballant took over and, and he had her book for a long time. And I just never could get into that woman's stories at all. And so okay. uh, when that series ended, I was like, yeah, whatever. It's finally a Catwoman. I really don't care that much. Yeah. Uh, and then they announced that Ed Brubaker and Darren Cook were doing that series. And I was like, and you saw the redesign of the costume, which is so much more like fitting for this character, where it looks like this is what a cat burglar would wear. Yeah. Uh, cat burglar slash anti-hero, mm-hmm. however you might describe her. Uh, so, I mean, seeing that interpretation, I, I just, it it fits so well for that character. And mm-hmm. so to have Darren Cook say, you know what, let me go back a little bit further before our series started tell you how she got from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, man, it just, the, the kind of hard-boiled noir stuff that Darwin Cook loves just comes through in the way that he paces and, and writes and uh, the story. And it's just, from top to bottom, it's fantastic. It's, it's a, so good. It, it's and a fun, quick read. I think this would have done for me if I, well, it might still, but like if uh, this did its original intent for me, which is now I want to read the next part of the story. Which is awesome. You know, like that's, and I think that's kind of a tribute to how good it is. You know, it makes you invested yeah. quickly. It's like, yeah, I want to, I do want to know. Like, and I also like it, Brubaker. Yes. You know, so, I mean, I think that would be a good fit too. And he went into the 30s doing issues of Catwoman, but Darwin Cook was only around for the first arc and then they had other artists doing it. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they're all fun stories. I mean, but there's, still something just so perfect about the combination of Darwin Cook and Ed Brubaker mm-hmm. that just sets their story that, that they did just a little bit above everything else. Mm-hmm. I would probably put their stuff first, then this, then the rest of the Brubaker stuff that he did with different artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was kind of ranking kind of like those kind of that, that kind of, kind of those, that era. Okay. Yeah, good to know. Yeah. If, it's, if you think it's better than this, then I'd be interested to read it because I, I really like this a lot. Yeah, I, this it, it's just gonna you're gonna you can just roll right into it, and it's gonna just seem so perfect. And so, if you want, you can buy this just as an individual story, uh, or they're also it's also collected, which is how I was reading it, mm-hmm. in a larger Darwin Cook collection called Ego. Oh, and okay. It's, uh, it's a bunch of different Batman stories that he had worked on, at least Batman or Batman universe stories. That's cool. So 
That's it's neat. got a really cool story called Batman Ego, which is kind of the name of the whole book that's all collected in, mm-hmm. where he's psychoanalyzed and stuff about stuff. Uh, but then they also loop in uh, uh, Selena's big score in there as well, too, and kind of collects a lot of uh, smaller stories of his all into one big collection. Oh, cool. Well, this was, a, this was a, a very good book, so thank you so much for the suggestion. Yes. Um, if you guys, if there's anything, you know, you, you think we'd like, or if you think we'd hate it, that's fine, too. We're looking for new things, so uh, please let us know. Um, you can tweet us at comic book novice on instagram or twitter uh, you can hashtag the novice and frank on pretty much all platforms we check that uh, if you want to find just me i'm at comic book novice uh and if you want to find frank uh, you can follow me on twitter and instagram at happy go jackie that's right and uh, go and show <laughs> he's, yes. he's still flipping through the book by that's the right. way guys that's why he's not talking right now he's very uh very engaged um and uh, yeah, you can also check out Frank on AfterBuzz. That's where he's headed now. So Ooh. go back. He has a bunch of shows on there. AfterBuzz uh, TV. Check me out. Check you out. Now, um, before we sing our outro song and get you out of here, because you're going to be late, uh, did is there? What do you do? You know what you want to read for next episode? Mm-hmm. I asked some. I got suggestions from people. Oh, then lay it on us. Okay. We, we 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 go to the people first. Okay, we go to the Barnes. people first. So uh, Mario suggested Nightwing. Ah, Nightwing. nice. He said Scott McDaniel and Chuck Dixon. Okay, I'm which down is with one that. of one of the artists here, Chuck Dixon. Uh, right? Isn't one of Chuck the Dixon? writers. One of the writers. Yes. yes. Sorry. Um, we also got uh, um, Blair suggested the original Tank Girl series. Mm. Um, and that's way different than anything we've done. That is. Done. And even, so, I, I, I've not really read much of that myself. Of Tank Girl. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So uh, do either of those sound good for you for next time? I uh, I mean, I will be honest. Tank Girl would be kind of interesting, but mm-hmm. it'd be kind of cool to go revisit those old Nightwing stories, too. Okay. Well, you want to do Nightwing, and then we'll make sure that bump Tank, Girl, Tank Girl up to the top of the queue? Tank Girl's the following week, then. Yeah. Great. All right. Unless so, unless somebody tweets at us and comes up with something more compelling. But we'll put it on the list. Yeah, so uh, Chuck Dixon and uh, Chuck Dixon was the writer. Scott McDaniel was the artist. They spun off. Uh, they took Dick Grayson away from Gotham City. We took him in like a like a like a satellite city of Gotham called Bloodhaven. So he was oh, kind of on God. his own, kind of like I'm on my own now. I'm gonna make my own mark in the world. Okay. So you see him kind of get involved. Where basically they play they portray Bloodhaven as like you know like the like. The, the, the armpit of you know the Gotham City surrounding areas. Okay. Well, so. this will be fun for me because I know, except for what you've just said, I know literally nothing about Nightwing. Ooh. I know no, I'm going in completely blind. Well, you know him as Dick Grayson from, as Robin, right? It's, uh, this is me going, uh, I think I knew somewhere that maybe he had been a Robin. Yes. He like outgrew Robin or something. Correct. And he like spun off tonight. That whole thing, we can talk about this next time. That whole thing is very confusing to me. That it's like, well, too old for Robin. You be Robin. Now I'll be this person. Like, I feel like, and there've been a bunch of Robins. I don't know. I do. I know. Well, I was going to say, I know Burt Ward, different, not the name of that Robin. <laughs> um... But yeah, the whole Robin dynamic is super weird to me. So we can discuss that next time. Yeah, I think you'll I think you'll enjoy these Nightwing things. Great. I'm excited yes. to check out Nightwing. Thanks Woo. for the suggestion, Mario. Wow, um, look at that, Mario. You are the best. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you guys also for, um, as always, for tweeting and letting us know uh, what, you know what you think of the podcast. Please feel free to keep that going. We're always um, listening for more suggestions of what to read next. Thank you, uh, Deadman Fred, for the flatterer, flattering, flattering, yes. flatterer information. 
that's great. Uh, and um, thank you guys so much for listening. We are the Novice and Frank, and I guess we will sing ourselves out. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Woo! Bang, bang. Meow, meow. Wee. Woo, 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 woo. Police cars chasing a cat burglar. She's got a cup in her hand but knows it isn't real. I've got a whip and I'm not afraid to use it. Kicking it off in my six inch heels. I'm a cat woman. That'll scratch you. <laughs> for scratching and clawing <laughs> I gotta sing it out like Amanda Barnes does cause we are at the end of the podcast because we're the novice and Frank, Frank. <laughs> well done spot on classic me <laughs> classic me thanks everybody have a good night <laughs>